0: This episode is brought to you by Haymakers Community Engagement Consultants. If you run a business or nonprofit working to make the world a better place, then visit weMakeHay.com to see how Haymakers can help. This episode is also sponsored by ruralorganizing.org. Ruralorganizing.org has been equipping and empowering rural change makers since 2012. Visit ruralorganizing.org for more information. Okay, okay, keep looking up. Okay. Ah! This is Flyover Book, a podcast exploring the progressive arts, culture, and politics of rural America.
1: You know, do something. I mean, there are things happening that are probably more stark and more drastic in in affecting your lives and affecting the future of the country than has ever occurred
0: before. So if you have some belief about what should happen, do something. Despite the division in today's politics, we can all pretty much agree that most politicians listen to rich people more than poor and working class voters. But a grassroots group of rural advocates in the foothills of Ohio's Appalachia region are working to change that. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Leah Hackleman-Good and Jim Kennedy of Buckeye State Rural PAC, a grassroots political action committee focused on promoting public policies that work for rural communities. We talk about how everyday people can create homegrown organizations that change the political conversations in small towns and rural communities. I'm Matt Hildreth. You're listening to Flyover Folk, exploring the progressive arts, culture, and politics of rural America. So you guys are a pack. Yep. And that's an interesting place to start because I think there's a lot of people in rural communities that, you know, just gather in a church basement and say, hey, we should do something. Or maybe they go to the public library and they have these conversations um, whether it's kind of connected through the local indivisible group or other groups um, that have especially started over the last couple of years but you guys are taking it to the next uh, level so what does it mean that you have this official pac designation um, I mean you, you kind of have both worlds you have this o- official pac designation and you're meeting in <laughs> public library <laughs> so it's kind of this great combination so could you talk about what your designation allows you to do that um, that you know groups that are just gathering around the kitchen table can't do without any designation? Sure.
2: We are, um, we come out of Indivisible. So a lot of us, um, you know, Jim and I didn't know each other before Indivisible started in 2017. Um, We're both from Fairfield County, which is a county outside of Columbus, Ohio. um, And Everybody who is a board member, a volunteer board member, comes out of a progressive group in the Columbus, Ohio, and outlying areas. So that's how we all met. Um, what the 527 designation gives us is the ability to spend money. Right now, our Indivisible group, for example, is just a Facebook group. You know, If we do little handouts or we buy a table at a county fair, we're just there as a as a social group, mostly the 527 allows us to do electioneering messaging, um, and that's and and get to donations and to track donations and to do everything mm-hmm. um, according to the law. Uh,
0: so, in in most cases, um, PACs are started by special interest groups or by you know kind of multi-millionaire, billionaire people. But you guys are sort of taking that designation and bringing it to the grassroots and sort of fighting kind of this grassroots fight on a much more sophisticated level.
1: Right. It almost seems kind of funny to us that we we are a pack. You know, I mean, when you think about it, it's just what you what you just said. Um, A lot of dark money, a lot of big donors, a lot of tremendous influence on politicians. We are a small group. We are, you know, currently nine people that are collecting money to do some very concrete, specific things, which are really informational. We're not, we're not lobbying any politicians. We're not controlling anything. We are really just trying to get a different message out to people based on what we've seen and the people around us and how it, they're being affected about what's going on in the federal government. It's it's just it's a pack, but it's not a pack from that standpoint. It's not what you generally think of.
2: And one of the things that uh, one of the reasons we chose the five twenty seven version is not only because we can talk about the federal level, but also because it's transparent. Um, We don't hide money. We report our quarterly um, income and expenses, and all of our fundraising is right out there and transparent. So you can see we're not taking any corporate money. We're not taking any political party money. It's just all small donations.
0: And can you talk a little bit about um, what brought you all together? You mentioned that it was kind of coming out of Indivisible, but what were the motivations for some of the, the, the members of your group?
1: Well, you know, I think a a couple things. Um, All of us uh, sort of have the same, you know, spirit in mind that, you know, we do believe that progressive policies are good for everyone. But we kind of came together around Buckeye State Rural with one individual who who really wanted to to start that conversation. And all of us had, had very similar thoughts about Um, without knowing a lot of uh, facts, but we had similar thoughts that many of the policies that were uh, around health care, around the economy, Social Security, federal programs all up and down, um, including agricultural uh, Mm -hmm. benefits, we just looked at all of that and said, well, wait a minute, what's going on in the federal government is really adverse to what people in the rural areas that we know about actually need. And yet it seems so ironic that, that, uh, that many folks in that area were voting based on people as opposed to based on policies. So we're not about talking about Trump or talking about Obama or talking about you know, Hillary Clinton or any of that stuff. We're about trying to find out what is really helpful to people in rural communities and who is pursuing those policies that will benefit them. So one of the first things we did as our small group, we started doing a lot of research on the counties in our congressional district because initially we were all centered on Congressional District 15, Um, and that's a set of 12 counties, one of which is is Columbus, basically, Franklin County. But we looked at the uh, statistics in the other areas about how federal programs affect all those people, and it was actually rather startling. That federal programs in general, healthcare very much, are have more impact on the rural areas than they do on the cities, and we started looking, going through all that stuff, and finding um, that there were some very negative things happening to people that we didn't think they were necessarily seeing, because you know it's very difficult, first of all, to even know what your government's doing, right, and it's uh, just as difficult to know what the various political parties are trying to do. So we tried to bring some of that information together so people could have um, something more than just "I like this guy I don't like that guy right
0: so can you talk a little bit more about some of the stuff you're finding from you know the conversations you're having and the research that you're you're doing I mean, you know what sure. what is I mean because when you talk about your congressional district here in Ohio right. it's a highly gerrymandered district that goes up into the kind of wealthy areas of of the city of Columbus, which is I think one of the largest cities, largest city in the state now, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, um, and and then goes into the, almost down to, almost Appalachia. Yes, right. so it goes the through. The foot, foothills yeah. of Appalachia. Yeah. Could you talk just a little bit about kind of. It kinda,
2: stretches from Columbus um, to Athens, Ohio, where Ohio University is. And then it stretches downward um, into uh, Chillicothe, Circleville, over to Wilmington, Ohio, um, so it contains yeah, out of thanks. the 12 rural uh, out of 12 counties 11 of them are designated rural right.
0: and and so and then it puts a little bit of of Columbus in it a tiny yes, little bit of does. Columbus so you have really this urban rural mm-hmm. divide that people sometimes and talk that's about That's
2: where our representative is from is the the outskirts of Columbus and a place called Hilliard that's part of our district it's very wealthy um, and that's where the focus is a lot
0: on those policies. Right. So, but for the rural people in your district, can you talk a little bit more about the conversations they're having?
1: Sure. Uh, Actually, when we did our research, we sort of discounted Columbus. We, We just, you know, we really wanted to look at what is the difference in how these policies affect different areas of our country, rural versus urban and that kind of thing. So we just focused on the 11 counties that are more rural in nature, some of which are like, Purely rural, such as Vinton County, which is just has just basically a small town in it, and it is it is pretty much rural. And what we saw in our research um, in the various areas like healthcare, social security, food stamps, um, uh, the economic policies, trade policies, those areas are affected more than even the urban areas. We we saw a lot of statistics on it. So, for example, um, in our, our rural areas of District 15. of the people are in Medicaid. In one of those counties, the one that I mentioned that was uh, so rural, 40% of the people are in Medicaid. And they're only on that health care because the Affordable Care Act allowed the expansion of Medicaid, and thank goodness the governor at the time did expand expand that out. So it made many, many more people uh, uh, eligible for it. 700,000 people in Ohio were made eligible for Medicaid that would not have been covered by anything before that. And these counties are affected directly by that because the, the much higher percentage, I think the, the percentage uh, statewide is more like 20 percent or so, and uh, double in in uh, the very rural counties. So that's how they get their health care. But when we started looking at this, um, health care in particular, we found that the coverage of health care affects everybody. So if you're in a city or you're in a rural area, if you have coverage, you don't have coverage, you know, and the ACA has helped people in all of those areas a little bit more in rural rural areas. But even more so, in a rural area, the existence of your providers depends upon the kinds of coverage that the Affordable Care Act has allowed to happen. Those providers could not exist if, they, if uh, Medicaid had not been expanded. right, The clinics, the providers, the small hospitals that are out there are completely dependent on people being covered by these federal programs. And then a third area that affects rural areas and um, much, much more than urban areas is the rural areas have a very high percentage of people working in health care. Right so if these providers go away, absolutely if this coverage goes away, those jobs go away right and it's just very clear to us that when when you have that health care debate, which is one of the biggest policy debates that's going on right now right and one of the things that's the most under attack by the current administration right um, when you have that discussion, you really need to look at how much more rural areas are affected than urban areas by this
0: so there's a um, I think that there's sort of this politics um, uh, it's, it's it's hard to describe because it I think I'm still trying to fully understand how divided people are but when when you come at the conversation in terms of politics and health care and Obamacare, you know people think one thing and then when you talk to them actually about what how they're impacted in their community and like you said um Some of the best-paying jobs in rural America are uh, are healthcare and Mm -hmm. our education-related jobs, Um, and especially in places like your district, where there is agriculture, but it's not agriculture like Iowa or agriculture like Indiana and Western Ohio. It's a lot more, you know, kind of hill country or or or, or whatever. Um, But can you talk about how you get past that political division to talk about? what's actually impacting people? Do you have experience with that?
2: We're gaining experience with that. Well, one, one of the things, you know, we read an article recently about how policy discussion doesn't necessarily change hearts and minds. Right. So one of the things that we've always done in terms of changing the conversation is to talk about how it really affects your life. Right. How it really affects your late neighbor's life. And a lot of times, you know, our, our billboards have a message on them, but when we're talking to people, we talk about healthcare. We talk about, hey, did you know that the recent hospital closure put fifty people out of their jobs? Or right. the things that are making sense to them are local, real life effects of those policy decisions.
0: And you mentioned your billboards. I wonder if you could just give a little bit of background on that, because I think yeah, that's a great yeah. story.
2: So. Um, when we got together and we knew that we were going to form this pack, none of us had any experience in forming a pack, so that took a little bit of time. But one of the things that we really hit upon was how do you actually reach rural voters? In some of our counties, we have less than 30% of people who have broadband. I just got broadband myself, Right. Um, and I do all my work online. So we, we can't always rely on social media for those folks radio is sparse around here Um, a lot of the radio stations that have been gobbled up by corporations have have gone there's some christian stations that are probably not going to spend our message so we really looked at radio and then we also hit upon the idea of billboards right Um, a lot of the counties around columbus contain people who live in those counties and commute to columbus every day for work so we started investigating billboards and as jim uh pushed us we did a proof of concept with our our first book billboard we didn't want to spend two years talking about doing something we right. wanted to do something so that was we hit upon billboards we we looked at the costs and decided in terms of what we thought we could raise that that might be the best way to reach the most amount of people
0: and do you feel like it was successful
2: yeah um you know there's no way to actually measure what the effect is of billboards or any commercial advertisement on the listeners or the readers. But our five billboards that we put up in 2018 got, according to the owners of the billboard, they count statistics, um, they received more than 6.7 million views during the few months that we had all five People
0: commuting back and forth. By and rural travelers right. and
2: commuters between May and March Um or between May of 2018 and March of 2019, which was my last, um, which was our last billboard going out. So we figure, you know, we had five billboards up for a total of 109 weeks and got, you know, almost 7 million views. And that is the metric that we're using to say we are a success. We got our message out.
1: And right. and we are very gerrymandered. So it is difficult to see uh uh, you know an epic change you know in how in how people vote in a district like ours so th- yeah. you know that's going to change some um, we did see that the candidate that was really kind of pushing maintaining the affordable care act and keeping uh, coverage for the tens of millions of people that got it through that uh, that he did better than candidates of that party had done before right so you know ho- hopefully that you know played a part in that the billboards but, but we do look at this, too, as kind of a longer-term thing. Right. Um, you know, we would, we would seriously like people to begin thinking about what is happening to my health care? What is happening to my Social Security? What is happening when, when we either enter or don't enter a trade deal? So, right. for, for example, um, there was a letter to the editor by a farmer in northwestern Pennsylvania As a a number of different crops. And he was a big Trump supporter. Right. He was the head of the GOP for that county that he's in. And he just went through a litany of reasons that the current administration's policies are harming very badly and very long term agriculture. Right. And uh, it just, it does go to show that, you know, people do reach a point where they start. You know, getting past, oh, I like this guy, I don't like that guy, I, you know, um, I'm patriotic, so I have to believe this or that. They right. start thinking about real, you know, the real issues. Everybody can be patriotic. Right. But that doesn't mean that your government is right, you know, whether they're right or wrong. Right. It means that you have the job of making sure that your government does what you want it to do. Right. And we're just trying to get people to think about those issues because they are very stark uh, as, as far as everything that we've seen. What is happening is going to hurt more and more people in rural areas. Uh, if the assault on Social Security goes through, rural areas have more people on Social Security. Right. It's been shown that if you're on Social Security, a quarter of those people only have that as right. their income. Yeah. That is their income completely. So we look at some of these uh, areas in our district and we think, boy, this is really going to affect people in a deadly way.
0: So also in terms of you're saying this is like a long-term strategy, um, I think sometimes when groups start uh, very organically through like kind of a grassroots efforts, they get frustrated because um, they don't quite have the experience to know how to make decisions. You know, they're all kind of new to it. But you guys now have an election cycle behind you. You have experience on on put, raising money and putting money into billboards and talking about impressions and all these other things. Um, can you talk about some of that experience that you're getting? That's like you're actually building, um, you know, you're, you're 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 building political capital in these rural communities that um, are often referred to by like social scientists as civic engagement deserts. And you guys are really, you know, kind of building this homegrown political power um, and you're getting experience as you go so I'd love to hear about some of those lessons you've learned
2: well I think um, to build off what we were just talking about the the first lesson was to do something Um, make it concrete and we did that with our first billboard and we learned a lot from that first billboard Um, one of the things that we learned was that once we put it up and you know. We didn't have any experience in understanding how things look at the huge scale that billboards are on. Um, we determined that the design didn't quite work, that it was a little hard to read. So we got that proof of concept up, and then we learned from it. So we're having this iterative cycle of doing something and then learning from it. So I think that was our first big lesson. Um, and our second big lesson is that once we did that, we were able to go out to some of the grassroots groups around here and say... Look what we did. Right. We have the ability to do this because we are a PAC and because, you know, frankly, none of us knew what that was. And we've all learned a lot and a lot of information that we could share as well. Yeah.
1: And I, I think what, what, what we realized is that this wasn't just about building an organization. It was trying to make something happen. Right. So, yeah. you know, I think what we would say to any of the groups that are out there is, you know, decide what it is you believe in. Find a way to get that message out, and then do it. (laughs) Don't just sit there for the next two years talking about all the ins and outs about it, and you will only learn by doing it. That's the only way we learned a (laughs) heck of a lot more about billboards. In fact, when we first started talking, we didn't know what was the best way to get a message out for the least cost anyways. And we hit on billboards, and we just learned more and more about them, and they seem to be a good way to reach particularly people in rural areas because there's not a whole lot of media going on. So, you know, do something. I mean, there are things happening that are probably more stark and more drastic in in affecting your lives and affecting the future of the country than has ever occurred before. So if you have some belief about what should happen, do something. Don't just sit there and talk in your living room about it. Get out there and do something. Talk to your legislators. Write letters to the editor. You know, Be with your friends. Try to convince people to vote in ways that will, in fact, be the best for our country and the best for themselves.
0: And that's, I think, great advice. And for for you all going into the next cycle, what what are you looking at? What's the, the kind of next big thing that you're working on?
2: Right now, we're working on a couple of different messages, um, kind of following the same branding as our current billboards. Um, right now, our billboards say "Vote Democratic; your health care depends on it," um, with a particular design. And those are the five that those are the four of the five that were up last year. Um, so we're plan we're planning on some different messaging, and we've also taken some steps to do a little bit more fundraising outreach. Um, because frankly we need donations to be able to do this all of us are volunteers no one gets paid for their time Um, we have a volunteer accountant who is 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 an accountant in real life so that's very helpful Um, some of us have skills and backgrounds that we bring to the table but primarily all of our money goes toward putting those billboards up so we're in deep fundraising mode and this fall we're gonna kick off a campaign to show people the new designs Um, go to different grassroots groups, especially in Columbus, because one of the things that I learned last year was that people in those suburban areas who are Democrats are interested in getting out the rural vote for Democrats um, or for progressive policies, but they don't know how they would do it. So one way that they can do it is by contributing to Buckeye State Rural and helping us get highway signs all over the community routes, reaching millions or thousands of people and millions of views every year.
0: So how can people find out more about your work?
2: We have a, a Facebook page called Buckeye State Rural. We also have a website, BuckeyeStateRural.com. On the website are articles and information that J- Jim was referring to, um, as well as a donation link through ActBlue.
0: Great. Well, thanks for um, taking the time to chat today. Do you have anything else that you'd like to add before we go?
1: No, i just like to emphasize that, you know, based on what we found, these are all very important things for the rural area. So we just ask folks, think a little bit differently. Don't just think about who that politician is, how he sounds on TV, who's wrapping themselves in a flag. Start thinking about what is happening to our country and what is it that you want to happen. Because there are people out there that do one thing and people that do the other, and it's all of us who are going to make that choice.
2: Mm -hmm. True enough. And also, um, one of the things that we're looking for are ways to spread um, outside of our district. We're not making that a huge priority, but we have been approached by partner organizations who are not PACs um, to deliver our messages in different places. So we're excited about that, too.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks for taking the time to chat. Thank you. I'm Matt Hildreth. You've been listening to Fly Over Folk. Today's episode featured Leah Hackleman-Good and Jim Kennedy. For more information on their work, visit BuckeyeStateRural.com. Thanks again to The Ruralists for our intro and music. You can find out more about them at NorthwestOfNowhere.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to this podcast. And, of course, follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook.